I would love to know with the reaction if you turned around to him and said, um, I could, but but all of my stabilizer muscles are burnt out from yesterday's workout. <laughs> or in this day and age, you'll be like, oh, my whoop says I'm fatigued. I need to take the day off. <laughs> and they were like, shut the fuck up. Go get that tree. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Training Tangents podcast, where we intend to have a lighthearted conversation to help you in your health and fitness journey. As a collective, we have over 40 years of experience ranging from regular gym users to professional athletes, so we like to think we have an idea on what people should and shouldn't be doing in the gym. Along the way, we're going to debunk myths, answer various questions, and provide training tips, all in a short 20-minute chat in the health and fitness universe. Welcome everyone to episode number four of the Training Tangents podcast. Angelo, I can see you laughing. You don't do it to me again. Lee looks like he's about to break down every single time we do this. Honestly, this is the most uncomfortable introduction that I ever have to do. Um, anyway, welcome to the Training Tangents podcast. This is episode number four. I'm here with... Uh, Casey Sanford, Angelo Notto and Rob Scholten and we're going to tackle some uh, fitness questions today. Uh, we've got a couple of listener questions as well, which is great. If you do have a question uh, and you want us to go over that in a future podcast, then uh, on Spotify, there should be a, a, a place underneath the podcast where you can actually um, put in your question to us and we'll do our best to, to answer that. So, Well, it's a really simple process. Yeah, I mean, it's meant to be simple, but we'll see. Anyway, so let, let's just jump into um, the first question. It's quite a frequent one that I used to get. I don't know whether you guys got that um, in throughout your training careers, guys, but can training help with fat loss? And it's such an umbrella type of question, isn't it? It's, you know, what kind of training? As we said before, abs are made in the kitchen. Losing fat is pretty much, it's all about your diet, really. You can't out-train a bad diet. I train five days a week and I've got a podgy belly. So do you know what I mean? R Rob, what do you think? Uh, this is coming from stuff that Lane Norton's put out, is that, yes, if you want to lose body fat, then it's got to be calories in, uh, less than calories out. But especially when people are looking to do like post-Christmas, post-holiday weight loss, that the people that keep the weight off, or 70% of those are the ones that are active. So the percentages say that unless you are also active, then it's unlikely to actually work in the long term. So yes, whilst it is mostly down to diet because it's got it's a calorie equation, which is food. Yeah. If you're not active, you're unlikely to maintain and sustain the weight loss. So do you, do you, do you feel then that maybe training or engaging in some sort of physical activity is actually what's motivating people to stay on their diet? Quite possibly because we're results driven. If people want to lose weight and then they follow a diet plan, but then also you'll see that you burn more calories or you lose weight faster if you're also doing something active. Because a lot of it's a mindset of, I want to be a better version of myself and do something to improve me. So the two go to hand in hand to a degree, I think, because most people that are going to lose weight will also active and eat well, mostly. Yeah. The, the problem with this question is it is so massive, like you said. Um, it's a huge question to ask and there's a multitude of different facets you can go down this because although we've said abs are made in the kitchen, that um, really when you go to the gym, it can never make up for a bad diet. But if you take it even a step further than that, it's, it comes down to mindset further 
further on. So it's even before you ever step even anywhere near the kitchen, it's about the choices you make because of the mindset you've got around how you do that. And I think that's probably one of the hardest to, to tackle things because then it becomes a completely def- different set of skills you've got to create and you've got to break habits that you've created across multitude of different timelines you you're breaking your parents habits from what they've taught you and it becomes really difficult i mean i'm I'm currently going through a weight loss uh journey at the moment and i'm 20 kilos down from my starting point decent man yeah it's pretty good that's like a leg that's a whole leg for some people not one of my legs it's not um and this is the thing and, and most of that has been has been done not because i'm eating less or because i'm training more which i'm doing both of but it started off with my mindset change of like yeah like when i go to the kitchen i've got to make better choices i'm a big promoter of calories in versus calories out and from my weight loss before when i was doing the bjj competition you know i managed to lose 10 kilos in about three months and it was just simply calories in versus calories out but if you get stuck in just numbers like what Casey's saying there, there's there's other changes, there's other smaller things that you need to do to be able to make sure that you keep it off. And you see a lot of research where people will count calories and they'll lose fat, but then they put it on, um, you know, six months down the line, they're, they're almost put like 80, 90% of their original weight back on because they've stopped counting calories. So it's like, well, do I do that forever? But I think it, it, like, like what Casey was saying, it, there's other things at play. And if you can control them, then you've got much better chance of, of maintaining this deficit or, or keeping this fat off in the, in the long run. Angela, what's your thoughts? Can training help with fat loss? Ultimately, yes, it can. And it's part of the equation that we're all uh, dis- discussing here. The other part of that equation is, is, is energy, right? What energy we put into the body. So calories in this instance, because as, as it's been rightly said, if we are consuming more than we require, then we will store that as excess uh, energy, which is going to be stored as fat ultimately. Mm. And if we are consuming less than what's required, we will find that energy elsewhere in the body. And that's where we can burn into fat stores. Saying that, um, the mindset piece is crucial. Like Casey was just explaining, most people have this all or nothing attitude. So when they start training, whatever that type of training is, they then feel like more motivation to to eat healthier, to to go to bed a little bit earlier. So they have this 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 connection, it's all or nothing mindset. So if someone is training and is actually having a knock-on effect on the decisions they make in the kitchen, the you know the the, the, the logistics around getting a good night's sleep and all of that, then that's that's great. However, this all or nothing mindset is it's not ideal. We want to have an attitude towards a positive step forward, regardless of the situation. Yeah, training is is a medium. It's a it's a stimulus that you present to the body for adaptation. We train to adapt, right, to get better. But that is one part of the puzzle. the The energy side is crucial. Yeah, because one without the other is probably going to have very little to to no response. When you're training in the gym, you shouldn't, and this, again, I, I think we're probably all going to agree on this, your focus of that training session shouldn't be for fat loss. It should be for other things because if you can lose fat by the way you eat, you can't really get stronger by the way you eat. Do you know what I mean? Or develop power by the way you eat. So you have to maximize your time in the gym to develop that power, that strength, that aerobic fitness and spend the other, you know, 125 hours of the week, you know, eating better. I was just going to add to that, that the, Angelo touched upon a really good point in that we've got to stop this all or nothing kind of mindset. And I think that really came into to this time round for me. I, I mean, Lee, you've known me for a number of years now and you've seen me go up and down and quite a few times. <laughs> and um, it, it yo-yo is not because of, it, mine, mine yo-yo is quite a bit because I, I eat, 
my emotions. So it yeah. goes up and down depending on what I'm what I was doing. The way I've managed to break that is by not doing this idea of going into the gym and right, I need to lose weight. I need to do everything I can to lose weight. And none of it was kind of health focused or capability focused. And that's that's really what's changed this time around is that I'm not focused on how much running can I get done in one session, how much um bike can I get done, like how much weight and calories can I burn off during this process? It was more around every time I go into the gym, I need to be able to come out of that more capable of doing something. Yeah. So whether it's I'm capable of bicep curling more, slightly more, it doesn't need to be huge amounts. I don't have any targets for it. Um, I'm not even trying to smash PBs. I'm just trying to go into the gym knowing that I came out more capable yeah. than I went in. Your gym sessions are a performance outcome. That's that's what you're deeming as a success, isn't it? It's not whether you're weighing less, it's the fact that you're performing better at certain things. Yeah. And of course, then the eating side of things is is then where, you know, that's where you're weighing yourself for, if that makes sense. Mm. And it's and like I said earlier, it's, it's about breaking habits as well. Like a lot of the habits we have around, and they're, they're really simple habits that are really snuck under the radar for us because we all grew up with things like you've got to finish everything on your plate. Mm. You have to eat at certain times. And all, all of that's just made up. It's just bullshit, really, because you don't have to finish everything on your plate. If you're full, leave it. That if you if you feel satiated, then leave it, and that can happen at different times as well, depending on what you're eating. Tupperware tubs are a thing, though. You can always put it in the fridge and eat it later. But the thing is, none of us were brought up with that. It was all it was all eat whatever's in front of you because you won't get dessert, and that was the the treat for finishing everything you've done. But then that just added additional calories onto it, so it became, and it and it was with the best intentions. That's the thing because our parents grew up with that, yeah. So they passed it on to us because it worked for them, and now it's got to this point where we just have food access all the time with everything, anything that's we. You can buy strawberries in winter. It shouldn't be able to do these things, but we can, so we do. We're very social creatures as well. Mm. You know, we you, you meet up with someone you've not met in a, in a while, and what do you do? You go out for dinner, you go out for drinks. Like, it all, our social construct and within society is based around ingesting calories in some way because it's great you know it tastes great people like getting a little bit drunk you're eating loads of different types of foods we look at our circadian rhythm and there's some research on that that shows it's better for us to eat most of our calories earlier in the day because you're more metabolically active compared to eating at night that changes the percentage of uh, brown as opposed to white adipose tissue and brown fats are, are better so like for stock because this was one of the things we've looked at for fasting and mm. fasting in the evening has uh, better outcomes for the, the types of fats that you store not necessarily the percentage but one's better for your health as opposed to missing breakfast yeah because a bit of you know fat's healthy it's actually largely it is healthy it's just we abuse it and have too much of it mm. Yeah, some of us do. So you're looking at me then, aren't you? <laughs> you're like, yeah, some people. Yeah, cheers, mate. So to to summarise on this, we're saying that essentially that training, yes, it can help with um, with your weight loss. However, the majority of weight loss is done either in the kitchen and changing your habits. So before you even step anywhere near anything within the gym, you've got a lot of work to do elsewhere in creating better habits. Yeah, and yeah. if you're trying to figure out, okay, well, what do I do for training then if I'm not training for fat loss, which is my main goal? Train for other things in the gym. Train to develop muscle, train to develop power, your aerobic energy system, and let your eating cover the, the fat loss. All right, let's go on to our next question. This is actually from a listener. This is Joe from Leicester. He says, what are your thoughts on the push-pull split? So I'll just define it first. I'll come to you in a second, Rob. I'll just define a push-pull split first. So I, I'm assuming 
this is because I've heard of the push pull leg split. Whereas this, I'm you know, is this going to be a lower body push and an upper body push on one day, followed by pulling, you know, an upper body pull, which is like a pull up or a barbell row, and a lower body pull, and then what? splitting that over two days it's quite it's quite difficult to answer a question like this when it's just in that sort of sentence form it's quite a vague question the push ball could be all lower body it could be all upper body or a combination of the two and then as with everything before angelo says it well it depends what's he trying to achieve yeah because that that drives it it's like well what do you want to get from your training and then that dictates what your program should be but we don't know either of those things so we can say what we might think of doing bro splits versus upper or lower splits but until we know what they actually want that's harder yeah. um i can say what i think of if you're looking at basically just hammering one muscle area because even if you did a push pull split if it's all lower body glutes or, or hip stabilizers are going to get fried by both which means the quality of the work at the end is going to be less if it's for muscle building hypertrophy purposes it doesn't matter as much because you don't need high quality movement as much as you just need volume of work so then you can have mechanically simple exercises like leg extensions, leg press and hamstring curls, which you don't have to worry about because a machine does it and then that will build a muscle. If it's for anything performance-based, that changes things. Obviously context, right? So what is the training goal? Um, what is the arrangement of exercise to be used? But ultimately, when we're, when we're talking about what splits to use, this is an opportunity to, to educate. So if you was doing a push-pull split, this being defined as anterior so front chain versus posterior back chain this would be applicable in certain scenarios no scenarios would be maybe you are a, uh, a relatively new gym lifter a beginner and you are still going through movement um, uh, competency you're still training you're still learning how to move right so your total load and your total stress through the exercise is probably not going to be that high. It's more neurological information. Whereas if you are someone who is lifting very heavy, you've been strength trained for a number of years, and you are now doing a you know a heavy push on the upper body and lower body. So this could be you know squ uh, back squats with a bench press. Do that in one session, and then the next day or the next couple of days again, we haven't defined how often the sessions are in a week. But yeah. the next time you do come to train, your stabilizers will be slightly fatigued still. Those stabilize being around the shoulder blade for the upper body or around the hip complex for the lower body. So now if I'm going to do a pull-in session, which could be you know, a deadlift as a lower body pull or a pull-up as an upper body pull, the, the connecting piece, the commonality there being the, the stabilizers, that's going to be probably still recovering. There's a reason you can implement many different types of splits, but it depends on your training status, your training goal, uh, your training frequency in a week, all the other bits and pieces. I think what we need to do is, is kind of frame this question a little bit because what what the I don't think what the question asker nor any of our answers come down to is it a good way to train i think it comes down to is it the most efficient way to get results and not fatigue yourself and not cause yourself injury etc because what we um within this podcast we, we're going to be speaking to a lot of different types of audience members where some people are like me have been in the gym before but don't necessarily know anything about the body mechanics and the way that it works hence why they're listening to this podcast to find out a little bit more about how that how that is affected because i've just learned something with in that i didn't think about the stabilizer muscles that are, are going to be helping me to 
to achieve those exercises. Um, and really, when we look at something like uh, the split, I mean, something I, I I think me and you spoke about ages ago, Lee, was um, was about this whole idea around farmers and that farmers are some of the strongest people yeah. that you will ever meet. It's actually got a label like, yeah, he's like farmer strong. It's, it's, a, it's a term I've heard people call just naturally strong people. And they are phenomenally strong. Thing is, is that those people do the same movement over and over again, day in, day out. It doesn't matter if they feel like doing it or not. They've got to go out and do that movement. So there has to be some, some not evidence, but some sort of uh, argument to say that does it really matter if we're just trying to build strength in a particular type of work? Having worked as a woodman for a number of years, which is obviously a little bit different, but similar principle is the trees need moving. You're getting paid to move the trees. You move the trees. And also, you can be tired. It doesn't matter. Can you not just say to him, Rob, I've, I did that yesterday, though? <laughs> Are you the guy that shifted that sycamore up in Hadrian's Wall? Yeah, it can't even be like, his research on, like, overtraining. Like, please, <laughs> you are literally beasting me. I need an extra couple of days off. I would love to know with the reaction if you turned around to him and said, um, I could, but but all of my stabilizer muscles are burnt out from yesterday's <laughs> workout. Or in this day and age, it'd be like, oh, my whoop says I'm fatigued. I need to take the day off. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, shut the fuck up. Go get that tree. Um, I guess, okay, this kind of goes into another question that we've got in the in the large question bank that we have. Um, should, should I periodize my training or should one individual, an individual periodize their training? Again, let's define what periodization is. So my understanding of a periodization is structuring your training session to focus on specific adaptations whilst minimizing fatigue and maximizing recovery. That is a proper textbook. <laughs> I ain't even got a textbook in front of me. That sounded like you just read it. I've not got anything on my screen other than your sexy faces. Um, now, there is a study that came out uh, that Brad Schoenfeld did in, uh, I think, probably about six months ago. And what they did is they can, they got two groups of people and they had one group do a... The, the focus was to develop muscle tissue. They had one group following a very strict program that you come in on this day, you do these exercises, you do these sets and reps at this intensity. The other group, they came in and they did the same sets and reps and the same relative intensity. The exercises were completely random. Now, in a periodized plan, you just wouldn't have a block where it goes, I'll do upper body push. It would be quite set out uh, in a periodized plan. They found then at the end of this set, uh, training program, when they compared how much muscle tissue and strength that they developed, they found that actually both groups improved muscle tissue the same and increased the same amount of strength. But when they gave them a sort of post program questionnaire on enjoyment, the group that actually had a more randomized program said they enjoyed the program better. They had greater scores of enjoyment than the other group because they didn't really know what was coming in the gym. They just knew they were going in to train, which kind of then shows, well, if you're getting the same results and more enjoyment, should I have such a strict training program? Because essentially mechanical tension is the mechanism by which we grow muscle tissue. And if it's chaotic, but there'll be lots of fatigue, which there'll be if it's structured anyway, but you might have high quality work when you're doing a more structured program, but because you, it's chaos, you get fatigue to those stabilizers, but that can drive hypertrophy anyway. And if you build more muscle, you will get stronger. Because this is the thing with, with a, a science paper, what was the demographic of the participants? Were they strength trained? Because we've read papers when we were looking at strength training stuff on squat depth. Yeah. And there was not a single person that could squat one and a half times their body weight 
on half a dozen or so studies, and they're saying they're strength training. You go, but they're not strong. That doesn't count. Because as we mentioned earlier, to improve speed, if you are not strong enough, you will grow f- or get faster by being strong. Yeah, just improving that r- general strength at first. Do you need to periodize your program? If you're athletic and taking part even at an amateur level in any kind of sporting event, yes, because otherwise you can create that fatigue and compromise your recovery for the thing you're doing. Yeah. When the outcomes are something like, yeah, I just want to develop a little bit of strength. I just want to develop a little bit of muscle tissue, get a little bit more swole or ripped or whatever. I think it's if it's going to keep you in the gym because you enjoy it more from doing a more random program, then fuck it, go for that then. But I feel like if you've got something that's a little bit more specific, like I've got to do, got to improve my jump height or I've got to improve my acceleration, we can't then just randomly throw things in to a program and then change them all the time. And as well, also you're using the previous training sessions to gauge if the program's working. If you're constantly changing exercises, and if, if I've got a back squat and I want to improve my lower body force production and I'm seeing that squat increase over the weeks, I know the program's working. If we're changing from one week doing a squat, then the next session we're doing a, uh, a front squat or a Bulgarian split squat, rear foot elevated, whatever, I've got really nothing to compare it to. So I don't really know if this program is working, if, if that makes sense. Going back to the... Uh the definition of periodization. It's all about managing uh, stress and recovery, right? Fatigue. So everyone can benefit from that regardless of your goal. Saying that, if you have more specific goals, maybe more athletic-based goals, you're probably going to have more of a specific protocol to achieve those goals. In which case, periodization is something you definitely want to be considering. How can you optimize the pathway to achieve the goal with the lowest amount of stress to the body? If you have general goals, then a general protocol will be beneficial for you and it's less complicated and you will still get to your destination. It may take you a little bit longer compared to a more thoroughly detailed specific protocol, but ultimately all roads lead to Rome if you're using principles. So to summarise on this, um, we're saying that the push-pull split is it has its place. It is beneficial to you if you're doing certain types of exercise and workouts, but you need to be very careful of not uh, fatiguing the uh, stabilizing muscles and creating more injury for yourself or causing yourself to be less efficient within your exercise. Uh, and then moving on to periodization, we're saying, again, it has its place. If you are training for something specific, periodization has a, is a really good way of training. If your goals are more general, you should generally take a, you should generally take a more generalized <laughs> approach to it. So no, I couldn't think of a better way to say that, but essentially you, you, if periodization has its place, if you've got specific goals. Nice. Right, guys, uh, now it's our training tip that we like to give at the end of each episode. And we've talked a bit about periodization. And what we found is quite a lot of people don't actually track their training. So if you are going to take your training a little bit more serious, make sure you're writing down um, what you're lifting, what you've been doing in your program. And that's going to help you see if the, the program's working. And if you're unsure really on how to actually periodize, then if you go to my website, Lee Smith SC. 
www.inathletesquad.com and check out the Inner Athlete Squad. Uh, it's a, a program that's being delivered via an app and does all of your periodization for you. So I basically take care of that and you just go into the gym and bust your ass. If you guys have a question that you want us to answer in a future episode, uh, please feel free to post in the comment section on Spotify or check out our Instagram, uh, our Training Tangents podcast. Send us a message there and we will do our best to go through that. Catch you guys next week. <laughs>